Hey, thanks for listening to the Power of the Ground podcast. Just so you guys know before you get into it, we did have a little bit of a technical difficulty with one of our microphones. So the first half of the podcast is going to be a, a little bit heavy on my voice and a little bit light on Steve's voice. But I it's think not... a lot of you guys are really going to like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Shut this kid up. <laughs> so uh, it's not a big deal. You can still hear both of us, but it, uh, we fix it after the uh, after the break. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Now back to your show. It all begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast. I am Steve, and with me as always, what's up, Jesse? Just waiting for this heat to kick on in this friggin' room. Man, it is cold in here. I've still got my sweatshirt and my jacket on because I might as well be outside, minus the wind. Yep. Haven't been here all week and weekend. Heat has not been on. Waiting for it to kick in here. It's going to kick in by the time we're done recording this episode. You're damn right it will. (laughs) We're talking Utah today. First, let's get to some spots. What's up, guys? Steve here. Thanks for listening to the Power to the Ground podcast, the dirt bike podcast that looks to revolutionize the media in motocross and supercross. We upload the podcast every Sunday at 4, and you can listen on all of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also check us out at www.power2theground.com, where you can find merch, giveaways, and exclusive web content. And if you want to join the conversation on Facebook, you can take part in weekly polls, and don't forget to share with all of your rider buddies. Now... Back to the podcast. Salt Lake City, Utah. So this isn't um, incredibly new news, but it's something we haven't obviously covered yet. Right. Um, and I think it is a, uh, a potentially big, big thing for the sport. And we're constantly talking about how to make the sport better. Well, this is it. So the Supercross finale this year, for the first time in 23 years. 23 years, yep. Is not going to be in Las Vegas. Thank God. <laughs> it is going to be in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and there are a number of potential benefits and uh, interesting angles to to this this whole thing. Um, so that's, I think, what we're, we're, we're going to go today. So um, first of all, let's talk about why they're doing this. Yep. You want you want to start? Or you want me to go with that? You go go right, All right. Ahead, sir. <laughs> so, I mean, there's there's obviously a potentially a number of reasons, right? Yeah. Um, but one of the biggest ones that I can see is that they're looking at Vegas and go, "You are pricing out our fans." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not only not only that, but um, it it also Salt Lake City came to the table and they wanted this event. So it wasn't um, it wasn't Supercross that went to Salt Lake. Salt Lake came to Supercross and said, "We want this to be here," and they flashed a bunch of dollar bills at Supercross, and you know Supercross is with their money, they hold on to it very very tightly. So um, yeah, they basically they basically won the bid for this event to be held in um, in Salt Lake City instead of. In Las Vegas, and they flashed an additional. Uh, not only did they, if I recall correctly, I was. Um, I'm gonna have to find this, so don't quote me on this. But I believe I heard that Supercross is getting the arena at a very, very discounted rate, 
And not only that, but Salt Lake City is putting up an additional $10 million in marketing funds in order to put this out there to the public. So... I mean, that is they, huge. So at the, very, at the very least, Supercross has to spend less money than they normally would in order to put on their biggest event of the year. So, uh, of course, it all starts with dollar signs, right? But really, it, it goes so much more beyond that, too, because um, April of 2018, when um, was the last Salt Lake City race, it was uh, obviously not, it was a little earlier in the season, um... Eight hundred and thirty-six thousand Utahns. How do you say Utahns? Utahns sounds like something that should be on a salad. Utah tuned in for the race. One of the highest viewing totals in the forty-four-year history of the sport. These people love Supercross. Yeah, they love Supercross and they love big events. Right. So, and that so that was the other part of it too. So, but as far as just the ratings go. Um, I mean, the ratings skyrocket for Supercross right. when the event is held in Salt Lake City. Or not this particular event, when a race, any race, is held in Salt Lake City, um, the, the ratings just the ratings skyrocket, um, which is advertising revenue, which is, you know, all, all the more money dollar signs getting thrown that way. But again, if we're talking about growing the sport... Um, the higher your ratings and the more money you can spend on your marketing and your advertising, the more people that you're going to watch, maybe catch a casual fan who suddenly gets in the, you know, all of these snowball, potential snowball effects for growing the sport, as opposed to every year it's in Vegas, only people who can afford to be in Vegas at that time of year and afford those hotels and afford those tickets can be there. Um, there's nothing new about it. And really, as we've talked about before, many times the season's basically decided by that race. Anyway. Right. So um, it had become stale. So this is a really good shakeup. This is a really good uh, potential mix up to the formula that I think um, I, I love this. I yeah, love this. I I love this too. And for you guys out there listening, we did some uh, we did some research and some footwork for you. So if you're planning some uh, some a, a weekend ga- uh, getaway in May, we've got some info for you that may sway your travel plans. All prices are. As of now, if you're flying out of Boston, yes, because that's uh, where that's as close to you know that's where we are. Well, right not only that, is. but where where are you in the United States flying from further away than Boston, Florida, like yeah. the very very tip yeah, of Florida? Maybe, maybe, you know, because Key West, the Key West and the Keys, don't even, like yeah, Miami, I guess. Miami so has a Miami yeah comparable, but even then, I think you're probably still flying further from Boston. Yeah, you might be, or it might be a wash. It's yeah. probably close. So we went from Boston. Yep, we went from Boston. So, but let's start with the tickets. Now, I have looked at tickets to go to the Vegas show um, in past years, and we're talking minimum, minimum two hundred dollars per ticket on at these events. So, we're talking about pricing your fans out of your events. That's the way to do it. You know. Um, Two hundred dollars per ticket. I I I stopped looking. Um, so for you guys who are interested, if you go on to what is it, Salt Lake City Supercross dot com, you go to Salt Lake Supercross Super Salt Lake. I'm sorry, Supercross Salt Lake City dot com. You go on there. They you can choose where you want to get your tickets. Um, we're talking between twenty nine dollars 
and $206 for the most expensive ticket that they have available. And there's a lot of tickets left. You can get large swaths of tickets um, for $30, $40 a piece. So that is just one aspect of how they have made this more available to people who love the sport. So what was the next thing we looked at? Hotels. Hotels. So, so real quick before you get into the hotels thing, just as another comparison, I actually have the numbers literally right here in front of me. For Foxborough, for Gillette Stadium, it's not the season finale. It's fairly close to the end of the season, April 18th. It is not the season finale. And the cheapest ticket is $50. Jeez. Which is fairly reasonable. But you're talking about the season finale, this massive event. I mean, you, these people in New York are saying this is the, this is going to be the biggest sporting event in their city and state since the 2002 Winter Olympics. Yep. That's one that shows you how much they value this sport. But the cheap, you got the cheapest seats in the mezzanines and the 201 sections. <laughs> $51 is the cheapest seat um, still available, I guess. So maybe maybe it is fairly comfortable. But again, you're talking about mid-season versus season ending. So I just wanted to pull that up as a comparison because we didn't have the actual Vegas numbers in front of us right now. Right. I just figured look up the the Gillette Stadium one. So even even then, the, the cheap seats at Gillette are still more expensive than... Yeah, from really, really good seats. Right. Yeah, and I'm talking when I'm when I'm talking about these prices, guys. I'm talking. What did I say? It was sixty dollars per ticket for nine rows up from the dirt. Rows. That's like basically courtside. Yeah, you could <laughs> spit on Eli Tomac from there. I don't know why you would want to. Eli is a. I got five or six reasons off the top of my head. <laughs> So anyway, so ticket prices, right? So that's huge, huge, huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ticket Don't prices. Lie, um, hotels, right? So first of all, we already know hotel prices in Las Vegas are absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. Absolutely. But Four, five, six, even thousands of dollars per night at some of these hotels. So, you know, comparing Vegas to Salt Lake City shouldn't be fair, but we're talking about the same event. If you wanted to go to this event last year and yep. go into this event this year, go ahead and talk about hotels. Yeah, we're just talking about accessibility for the season finale of Supercross. And so we've got, uh, I found um, a hotel, it's a very, very nice hotel. I'm not going to tell you which hotel it is because that's the hotel that I want to stay at and I don't want you guys to buy up all the rooms. But... We're talking about $100 a night for a really nice hotel. Which is like a mid-level hotel basically anywhere else. Right. You know, like, like, or even lower and... You can go to a Motel 6 down... We're in Rhode Island right now. You can go to a Motel 6 far away from a city and still pay $100 a night. like in the city... Fairly close to the stadium. It's in really, down, really nice looking city. Downtown Salt Lake City. We're talking yeah. downtown Salt Lake City. Large hotel, beautiful rooms, tons of amenities. Hundred dollars a night. That is insane. So you're talking. Say you went with the cheapest one possible at what thirty thirty two dollars. Thirty uh, twenty nine dollars. Twenty nine dollars. So we'll round it to thirty, and then call it a call it one fifteen. So you're talking about one hundred and forty five dollars for the for a hotel for one night. And the tickets you want to throw in the second night, 
for the for another 115. So let's just say we'll we'll just say it's a weekend getaway. Two sixty. Two sixty. Two sixty right now, just for two nights at a hotel on the tickets uh, <coughs> to the event itself. Yeah. You're at a two sixty. That's how much you'd spend just on the ticket. <laughs> just on the ticket. <laughs> if you were trying to go to this thing in Vegas. So, then you've got your travel plans, and that's what we're talking about: flying out of out of Boston. So. And obviously, if you're close enough. To drive, you know, you're saving even more money um, if you're living in somewhere like California or the Midwest or Texas or you know the, down the, any of these places where it would make a little bit more sense just to drive there. You're probably saving even more money, right? Um, but obviously, you know, being where we are, we'd have to fly, and so we went with Boston. And <clears throat> and you think about it, so flying in what Friday, staying Friday night, going to the event Saturday, staying in the hotel Saturday night, flying back Sunday morning. You could do that. You take Friday off. Yep. From work and, and that's it. You got yourself a little three day weekend in Salt Lake. You're gonna go super cross about. I think that's that's a great. That, that, that's that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. So um, plane plane tickets. Two hundred and six dollars for a round trip from Boston to Salt Lake City for that weekend, and we're talking about flying out on Friday afternoon and flying back into Boston on Sunday afternoon. $206. because $206 one way would be a good price for a lot of plane tickets. Right. Um, so the fact that that's round trip is and absolutely it, absurd. And again, it has everything to do with the fact that it is in Salt Lake City. It's not expensive to fly into Salt Lake City. I'm surprised there are flights going out of Salt Lake City on Sunday. Me too. Salt Lake's one of those cities that just shuts down on Sundays. Yeah. I didn't uh, thought about that. What was the other one I went through? Oklahoma City. So I drove when I drove from North Carolina to San Diego. Yeah. Uh, we took uh, I forty, like kind of the southern yeah. southern route. I, I think so. Yeah. We hit Oklahoma City on a Sunday morning, and we're looking for food and could not find literally anything. Like even the franchise, like McDonald's and like Sonics and all this other place. Nothing was open on Sunday, <clears throat> and from what I've heard, Salt Lake City is the exact same way. I think my, my mom went there on a business trip a few years ago. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of Mormons up there, and I, I'm not sure that they they um, do the same thing on on Sundays. That um, I mean, it's not the same type of thing, but I'm pretty sure that that's still a very like, I'm, I'm sure it is important day for them. So but it, it might make sense. Just, what I'm saying is fly out early Sunday because you're not doing anything else there. On right. Sunday. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Just, just get out of there early, nice and early Sunday morning, get back, rest, rest up Sunday night. Yeah. So we're talking all expenses for one, one person, all expenses. We're at 230 plus 206. It was 260. 260. 260. 466. 466 for a whole weekend. Not including food, obviously. Right. So throw in, what, 40, 60 bucks for food? And if you're not going to eat at the stadium, don't do not do that. Right. <laughs> Just save yourself some money. Because <coughs> so, so you would think, you know, you get, all right, so call it another 100 bucks, right? You yeah. Get dinner, dinner Friday night. Um, even, even call it another 200 bucks for food. I would say, I mean, if you if you do if you're on a budget, yeah, call it. You can get away with a hundred bucks right. over a weekend. Let's yeah, split it one fifty. So just say about six hundred dollars, basically. If yeah, you, if you include food, 
I don't know how expensive food is in Salt Lake City, but I can't imagine. Given all of the other figures, I can't imagine it's too expensive. It's a six hundred dollar mini vacation. Yeah, which is ridiculously affordable for a lot of people. Now let's talk about. That's one night at a hotel in Vegas. Right. Yeah. Let's <laughs> just for for S's and G's here. Let's take a look at um, a hotel in Vegas. And we'll find the the cheapest one. Um, we're at hotels.com right now and we'll say same time frame just so that we can give it, give it something here. And for two nights, what, what is that? It's given. It's not giving me dollars. <laughs> it's giving me some, something. Maybe one of those things they don't want to tell you the prices. Like, no, 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 no. We want more information. No, it's it's giving me some foreign uh, currency. Oh. Can tell you how much it is to stay there in the end. The Mirage. Okay, here we go. Two nights in May. Nine hundred and eighty-five dollars per night. Uh, okay. for two for two nights. Okay, so still, it is more expensive for two nights at the hotel. Three hundred dollars more expensive for two nights at the hotel. Actually, forget that. Easier comparison. Take out the food part. We were at four hundred and sixty-six dollars for the trip, the plane tickets, the hotel, and the uh, the, the event tickets. tickets. Which is the ex- almost the exact same price as one night at that cheapest hotel in Vegas. Right. And you get all of it. And that's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, and I think that, I mean, obviously we're spending a lot of time on this, but the reason is that it just really highlights why this is so good for, for Supercross. Yeah, the fact that they're opening it up to other cities and allowing other cities to say, we want this at our, and <clears throat> I hope this is a huge huge success for for um for salt lake city because what that's gonna say (coughs) excuse me what that's gonna say to other cities is i want that in my city right and you get your bidding bidding wars yep um i i absolutely it's expected to generate expected to estimates we don't know obviously but it's uh generate about 80 million dollars in economic revenue for the city for the city um, which is which is staggering. That's awesome for for a weekend. Yeah, a weekend. You know exactly. That's why I think they're saying like this is the biggest event for them since the 2002 Winter Olympics. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how one of the biggest complaints that I've seen from like the four stroke, two stroke argument. Go back to that was you know pricing out your fan base, right? Pricing out new riders and all that stuff. And I think this on a different level is a step in the right direction for that. Agreed. Yeah, this Vegas is just out of control. Uh, just at at the end of the day, you can't you can't go to Vegas for a weekend unless you've got like a minimum five grand in your pocket. Right. Uh, otherwise, you're just you're bored. You're bored. Have I ever had five grand of spending money in my pocket at once? I don't think I ever. Well, I'll tell you, I've I've <laughs> I'll tell you, I've been to Vegas without five grand in my pocket and. Without, yeah, and it's it's boring. It can be boring. Like, what are you gonna do? Let's just get drunk. Let's <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> hope to God you're one of the few that it decides that someone is small jackpot. <coughs> yep. All right, we're gonna we're gonna keep up the conversation, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Damn, that was what I was gonna say. All right, so. We got the mic situation figured out. Thank you guys for being patient. Um, we know we put that little disclaimer at the beginning. So um, let's get back to this. Utah. What other implications outside of the money for the city and um, interest in ratings for the sport itself on that weekend, which we already know is going to be huge because Salt Lake City gets huge ratings. We've talked about that. But the thing we wanted to talk a little bit about was kind of the potential for bidding war. So the actual quote, um, so the article I've been reading, so Salt Lake City will be the first in 23 years, aside from Las Vegas, to hold the world finale, host the world finale uh, as part of a new rotating market approach by Feld Entertainment, which is the company that runs all these kind of touring sporting event kind of, they do Disney on ice and Monster Jam too. Um, our goal is the continued growth of the sport interesting <laughs> and rotating markets every couple of years Ex- expanding supercross futures events and moving the finale to a new location helps keep the series fresh and exciting for the fans as well as for the race teams and athletes for once i actually agree with a corporate exec in one of these big <laughs> uh, kind of thing so i do i think rotating the market every couple of years is going to keep things fresh and interesting, at least for that particular race, the the finale, um, and obviously expanding Supercross futures is uh, we've we've spent a lot of time on futures yeah. and how how that's things like that are huge. We need those, um, so I, I completely agree with him. Not just for keeping it fresh though, but for the potential for what you were going to say, pitting wars. Yes, um, I mean it, it all wraps in. Make a note uh, for us to get into the futures um, later, um, because futures. yeah, futures and uh, the cost of tickets cost as a per- of tickets. Yeah. So wait, didn't we already talk about that? We already did. We talked about the practical cost of tickets and what it actually is now, but I think that there's a um, there's a, a also a bigger picture to that as well that I want to get to. Okay. Um, so first, bidding wars. Bidding wars. Uh, whenever you get into bidding wars, uh, and you see this year in and year out with the Super Bowl, um, th- there's money thrown at this. Um, and with each year, you can see it with the Super Bowl. With each year that passes, the Super Bowl gets more and more and more out of control because the economic the economic incentive for a city to hold something like the Super Bowl is so astronomical like you you can get your entire like state gdp in like a weekend because of the super bowl and never mind what you're getting that whole week because they, the whole week leading up to the super bowl is an absolute frenzy right so. right so so for something like this and uh i don't think they should just rotate it every couple of years i i hopefully i think they just they rotate it every year they leave it up to bid um, to a bunch of different cities to say what they're gonna provide to to the organization. I wouldn't hold my breath on that quite yet. I and, wouldn't. And the either. big the, the big reason is if you if Salt Lake City kills it as much as it looks like they're gonna kill it, they're gonna and want brings it in a lot of money. Then you know FIMC to be like, yep, no, we're sticking here for a little bit, right? And that's that's the unfortunate the unfortunate part about the people who run Supercross 
is uh, short-sightedness um, with every decision that they make. You can see, you can see every decision that they make for the most part is based on a one to two year. Yeah, for for a group of people who are, um, you know, apparently knowledgeable businessmen uh, they seem to not understand the law of diminishing returns you know you start holding it in salt lake city every yeah the first couple of years are going to be phenomenal but right. after the fifth year it's not going to be this holy crap this is the biggest event since winter Olymp- no it's the biggest event since the one last year and right. the year before that um whereas if you were to continuously rotate this on a yearly basis every four or five years when it does come back to salt lake city they can continuously hey look we got it again you know it's yeah. it's another huge event again but I, I mean, you can look at the even even bigger picture than that. Basically, what this amounts to is the uh, Supercross is, is a marketing arm of all of these manufacturers, and if they know that all of their customers, if they they know that they have a ton of customers in Salt Lake City, and in the Utah area, and they can get them all into one place and market to them right there. So. What you're saying is it's the not about- sponsors have a little bit too much pull yeah. and say in this sport. Yeah. Wow. I feel like that sounds like something we might have already said <laughs> on this pod. Well, that, and that's that's the the thing about um, most. It's most motorsport motorsports. Um, yeah. They it's it's not about the sporting organization growing. Um, these sporting selling bikes, right? These organizations are nothing more than marketing arms for the bike manufacturers. And, um, I'm hoping that, um, so I don't have a seat at the table, so I don't know what kind of conversations that these organizations are having when these cities like Salt Lake City comes to Supercross and says, hey, we want this event and we want it in our city and this is what we're going to give you. I don't know who's cashing that check. You know, for all I know, there could be, you know, Mr. Honda, Mr. Yamaha and Mr. KTM are sitting down, you know, talking about who's who's going to cash this check at whose bank and mm-hmm. give and divvy out the money to the other the other manufacturers. I don't know that. Um, I know that the the FIM and the AMA have a seat at the table, uh, but I don't know if they are just a speakerphone for the manufacturers. That's at this point. That's basically how I've I've like, come to the the head of the you. FIM's just got you know the CEO of KTM's hand up his ass and he's just like, using him as a ventriloquist. Yeah. It's a fucking puppet. <laughs> That's a phenomenal mental image, but you're no, and you're right. It really does. It's starting to feel that way, right? Because sometimes they make these decisions when you're just like, how, how could you possibly come to the conclusion that that was a good decision? Unless you look at it from a manufacturer standpoint, right? Say, oh, that's how you came to that decision. So, um, yeah, no, this is while this is a step in the right direction. the the fear i guess then would be that they you know salt lake city kills it which is not the fear i'm hoping they kill it and do awesome and the ratings are through the roof and all that but then that that means that the manufacturers and the fim go oh that was really really good let's just stay here until we bleed this poor city dry right and is no longer making us money and then we'll move on to another one you know yeah. and that, cuz that's what really that's what at the end of the day is what these, a lot of these big corporations these these big conglomerates like to do is they say oh this thing makes us money and instead of 
uh, caring for it and tending it like a garden, right? You know, so that they it can continuously produce a ready, steady stream. They um, they they pillage it and they just. They suck it dry until it has literally nothing left to offer, right. and then they leave it in the trash. So, yeah, it might be more short-term gains doing it that way, but your your potential for long-term sustainability isn't there. And um, we're I guess we're just gonna have to wait and see. Obviously, which yeah. one they go with with the Salt Lake City thing. Either way, we have to see if it even works for us. And from what it looks like, uh, Salt Lake is not screwing around with making this a huge event. huge event. Yeah. And when it comes to to competition and stuff like that, if they do that, if they just bleed Salt Lake City dry, what you're going to see 10, 12, 15 years down the road or 23 years down the road, every May, hotel prices are just going to shoot through the roof for this event. If the it's ticket a, prices are going to be triple what they are now. Right. And that's what happens when when you remove competition from from the 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 equation if you have if if you have uh salt lake city who knows that they're going to be up to a bidding war and they're only going to get it once every 10 years then all these hotels are going to be greatly greatly incentivized to keep their prices as low as possible to get people into this into their hotels whereas if they know year in and year out people are for the next two decades people are coming yep People are going to be banging down our doors, and we're not going to have enough room. So here we go. $500 a night for, for a hotel room. Yeah, that's 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 what happens. Um, yeah, the next part that I wanted to get to. So futures. Yeah, the futures. But And before we get to the futures, <coughs> let's talk about the ticket prices. If ticket prices are $30, what impact does that have on a sport? Oh, more people can go to your sport. Specifically, what kind of people? Average people? Everyday Joes? How about... The downtrodden? How about dads with kids? The tired and the poor? How about dads with kids? (laughs) I mean, I'm not a father, so my mind didn't go there. I'm like, where are we going with this? All right, so families. So so you've got, got, say, $250. Or moms. We're not not, not being sex here. (laughs) But if you're talking about Vegas... What dad is taking their two kids to a, a Supercross God, show in Vegas? Hopefully very few. Right. Uh, the, you know, they're not spending $750 just on the tickets to take their two kids to a Supercross show. This, you got $30. You got, I mean, we're talking Mormon Mormon area. You got five, six, 11 kids. It's a little bit more affordable. It's a little bit more affordable, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, You've now got kids going to this event, to the the end all be all event of the season. Yeah, you know they had you had kids going to the events before, uh, you know throughout the season, but now you've got them going to this Super Bowl of Super. I am so glad you brought this up because this, at the end of the day, we've talked about it. The number one way to grow your sport is to get kids interested it's why we think that the video game is such a huge deal like having a really good immersive fun video game not just for you know diehards like us to have a super realistic physics engine and all this yep but for a kid nine eight nine years old who just went to his first you know supercross or motocross event like we did when we were at unadilla and the first thing i did that first year after i went to unadilla for the first time was i went home and i bought the 
closest thing I could find to a Supercross motocross game, which, oh, my God, at the time, I don't even remember. Was it was it Jeremy McGrath? It was Jeremy McGrath. Jeremy yeah. McGrath, Supercross 2000. Yep. Um, and I played the crap out of it. And there it was. Bam. I spent the money. I got into it. I started to learn some of the riders. And we went to Unadilla basically every year for the next few years after that. Yep. Um, so on top of, you know, with the video game being a huge part, you're absolutely right. You're talking about the season finale, this huge event, the spectacle, the fireworks and the flames and the introductions and, you know, all the displays they have around like the, the trophies, the trophy, the actual trophy ceremony, even if it's been wrapped up, the actual handing out, out of the trophy. And these kids, these seven, eight year, nine year old kids is going to be wide eyed, bushy tail looking at these things going, this is awesome. Yeah. Some, of, some of them developing their dreams right there of holding that trophy. And that's you're right. You don't get that. In Vegas, well, nearly as much as I think you're going to in Salt Lake. With, with affordable ticket prices where you can actually afford to bring your family and a, let's be honest, much more family-friendly city in general. And this right here, this is a segue right into the futures. Because you've got those kids going to this event and they're wide-eyed watching that trophy being handed over to Eli. the rider. Right. Eli is going to get it this year. Well, yep. even even They're the like, 250 oh, man, riders. Eli getting that trophy. Even the 250 riders, you know, if you've got a 10, 10, 11-year-old and this 250 rider is 19 years old. Right, he's only a few years away. He's only a few, few years away. All of a sudden, their dreams have just been assembled in their brain. And what do they do? They start competing. And they themselves become a part of the sport. Yeah, and that Dad, just grows I want a bike. Your, I want to compete. I want to race. Let's do this. That grows your pool. That grows your pool of talent. And that's why I think it's really important for for these things to be left up to a bid. Because if you bring this to, um, you know, New York City, even New York City, where I know, I know for a fact right right now, how many how many people do you think have dirt bikes in New York City right now? Cricket, I probably cricket, count cricket. on one hand. Right. Um, I, I know that there, I know some of you probably listening here are probably from around the New York City area and you might have dirt bikes, but think of how great it would be if you in New York City could just, or, or, or in the, the surrounding New York City area, you could just drive 45 minutes, 30 minutes to go to the Super Bowl of Supercross. And bring your kid. Yeah. Yeah. And how... And I mean, they got what, MetLife. Um, yeah. But oh, is that, that's, we went to that one. Yeah, MetLife, back. MetLife that was, was okay. That was fine. Um, I, I just don't like New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it <stinks>. smells. <laughs> uh, or Gillette. You know, if, if for us here, $50, I mean, we talked about the comparison. It's not 30 but it's still affordable you know i actually have a friend who has never been to any one of these things he's not into normally into he doesn't dislike them he just never got into any kind of dirt bike things and his kid is five now i think um all about it they got him one of those little razor electric mini dirt bike things and he's ripping around the yard and so he's like i'm, I'm taking this kid to the to the supercross event in foxborough yeah so now he's gonna go doing exactly what we're talking about he's bringing his five-year-old son to go see these riders at Gillette Stadium because it's fairly affordable, but it's not the Super Bowl. 
right. but it's not the finale. And I think that's where kind of where you're getting at is it's so huge. And now you're, you're that five-year-old kid is going to be like, I want a dirt bike. I want all the gear. I want, I want Eli Tomax colors right. or, you know, this or, or, or Ken Roxon or Jace, whatever it is. And I want to race 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 and they compete. And, yep. you come the and your friend's going to come to us and he's going to say, hey, how does my kid race? And we're going to be like, go over there. Yeah, go go this way. We'll direct him in the right direction. Yeah. Um, and then you're right. That is how that is how the sport expands. Yeah, absolutely. Not um, just from a fan base. So that, that's the idea. So this is what you're getting at, right? It's like I'm. I was speaking more from a fan base perspective, right? We were trying to grow the fan base, people who watch the sport. What you're talking about, though, is that inherently bringing kids in expands the talent pool and the actual uh, skill. And level of the pro riders expands as you bring in more kids and lifelong fanhood, lifelong for fanhood. the ones for the ones who the don't loyalty. race. Yeah, you know they they get into it. It becomes a tradition. They go to a race every year because they were a kid and they they experienced the magic. Um, yeah, there's there's really no downside to it. I really hope that they they open it up uh, to a, a bid every year. I know it's not going to happen. They'll probably open it up to a bid like every four years or something like that. Um, do I think that the the uh, championship, the the finale race is going to be somewhere other than Vegas next year? No, I do not. I think it's going to be Salt Lake City this year. You, you think it's going back to Vegas? Yeah, I think it's going right back to Vegas. That's my my thought on the matter. I think. No matter, I, I don't think there's any chance that there is anywhere other than Vegas next year. It may be somewhere else the year after that, but yeah, I think that even if it is an absolute freaking explosion of awesome and revenue for the sport, you think it's still I because I could see it staying in Salt Lake for the next for next year too. I don't think so. I think it, it, there's a possibility it goes back to Salt Lake the year after that, but I, I think it goes right back to Vegas. You think Vegas just outbids? Yeah. I just I, I, I no, I don't I don't think it has anything to do with bidding either. I I think it'll just go back to Vegas because that's what they do. Mm. No, I it, so it sounds to me like they're really looking at this from a different perspective. I hope and, so. And I I think they realize the potential losses from operating in Vegas and I think they're going to see just how successful this thing can be ratings-wise, revenue-wise, and how many kids and families they're going to bring into this. I, if, if they are at all smart, at the very least, we obviously we want them to rotate consistently, but at the very least, they should at least stay in Salt Lake. And I think I would give them at least some level of credit because they got here in the first place, right? All right. <clears throat> it's taken them 23 years, but they got to this point in the first place. I'm going to give them the small benefit of the doubt. and I So my guess would be that it's at least in Salt Lake again next All year. Right. If, it, if it's as successful as we know it can be. All right. So if they are back in Vegas the year after or next year, mm-hmm. we know for 100% certain that the people running Supercross are just flat out idiots. Robots. Yeah. Being programmed by the manufacturers, um, yeah, a hundred percent. If it's back in Vegas next year, they're 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 dumb. They have yeah. they're just they're flipping a coin, or they're just you know they're closing their eyes and throwing darts at a dartboard when they make decisions. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there's no basis in anything. So, I think that pretty much wraps up Utah. 
I never so thought too. I would spend almost an hour talking about the state of Utah and Salt Lake City, a place I have never been actually. Yeah, get some so get some Utahns on your uh, Utahns on your Caesar salad. That's right. <laughs> I saw it the other day. It's like the guy who invented croutons was like, you know what? This salad need- – oh, I, this salad is good, but I kind of wish it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it was something a lot it – was, it was great. Um, Utahns, croutons. Sorry if I butchered that. If you guys are listening from Utah, I, I swear I have nothing against you. It's just fun. Yeah. It's all in good fun. You know I what? I promise. If, if all goes well, uh, we'll see you in May. Yeah. Yeah, you guys funding that trip? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so Fun. let's start a let's start a start a GoFundMe. Get power to the ground to Salt Lake City for May, um, and we'll broadcast from Salt Lake, and we'll show tell you guys how awesome it is, and uh, brag about you sending us there. That's, <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Yeah. No, I you know I I think that's something we actually absolutely should look into and see if we can we can get out there because I think that's going to be a really 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 good time. You know they're going to put a lot of effort and time into making that a great event. So. Agreed, agreed. So I think that's about it for this week. Um, what do we have on the docket for next week? I was I was trying to look up the reminders that you had sent me. I could not find them, so I don't know. Also, real quick recap on the poll from last week. Yeah, we were both way wrong. Way we? wrong. <laughs> oh yeah, let's. You let's guys talk about are the poll really real quick. quick. All right, ten minutes. You guys are way way more stubborn than even I gave you credit for. And I already <laughs> knew you were stubborn from the whole two-stroke, four-stroke conversation. Good Lord. Oh, my God. I was – what did I call I called it like a 55 to 44, 45 and the no. Uh no, <laughs> that was not the result not at all. Where, where's the? Action? I think it was twenty six seventy four. Yeah, seventy four percent of you said that that electric vehicles are not the future of this sport. How stubborn are you? It is. I mean, it I, like fact fact based, not opinion. It is right. It is absolutely the future of the sport. Whether you like that or not, the question probably should have been: Would you like that? It's going to be the future of the sport because <laughs> it's not whether or not it will. I it's think somebody. I think somebody somebody said the the better question would be, what year do you think it will be the future of the sport? Exactly, because it it, it's not a it's not a yeah it's an it's absolutely an inevitability. Um, so I just I just didn't realize so how many of you are either a not seeing that it's an inevitability or just you know closing your eyes and plugging your ears. Nah, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> well, again, it comes back to seventy six percent. Yeah, it's it's the experience, the experience of riding a, a combustion engine motorcycle. I, I'm, and that's look, we are not definitely on the same page there. There is something different about it, one hundred percent. And maybe it was the question frame because, you know, I think a lot of people say if they're looking at the sport as a whole, not just at the professional level, but the sport of you know amateurs or just casual hobbyists, it's still a sport. And the, when you say is it the future, this person's like, well, I'm never changing to an electric vehicle. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, when you say the word sport and it's all encompassing, fine, maybe right. maybe it is not, or it'll take way 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 longer way to catch longer. on. Right. Um, well, which I, I mean, agree for those, with, fine, but yeah. I mean, I guess we maybe we should have clarified professional. At the professional level, is it the future of the sport? Because it is. Well, I mean, when you think about it from the perspective of the manufacturers, if their intention is to sell bikes and none of their audience wants to buy electric bikes, are they going to switch their professional sport to electric bikes? Yes. 
I think so too. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's gonna. I mean, I know, that, I know you want. You're looking for. You're fishing for a no there, but because they're like, if they were smart business people, they say this is what the people want. Let's give them what they want, and then we can just jack up the prices and make more money. Right. Um. But instead, what they do is they say, well, here's this new technology, i.e., four strokes or i EVs, and they say, well, this is more expensive. We can charge like way more for this for all of the, the X, Y, and Z, and let's just shove this down people's throats and make just make them think that if you don't have one of these, you're wrong. Right. And that's I mean that's marketing now. It's not marketing is not hey make, let's make people aware of something they already want that we can offer them. Marketing now is let's tell people what they want and then charge them out the a hole to buy it. Right. And so yeah, if seventy six percent of the fan base says we don't want. EVs to be the future of the sport. The manufacturers are like, too bad. That's how we want to make money. So they're going to make the pros ride them. And then as the pros ride them, small kids are going to grow up thinking that that's just the way. This is the way. I, right. Have you watched the Mandalorian yet? I'm sorry. This is, <laughs> this is the way. Um, and so those kids are going to grow up doing that just like kids right now are growing up in the four-stroke world. And that's just that's just how they're going to know things, and that's going to expand the EV sales as those kids get older. Yeah. And you're going to get crusty old men when we're in our 60s. We're going to be the crusty old men saying, "I remember back in the day when you could hear, feel, and smell the engine of your dirt bike." You know? it's like, <laughs> and they're like, "Was what? there something wrong with it?" <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It was loud? It was loud? <laughs> What's loud? What they made a sound. Yeah. What? So yeah. I, I mean, I, I just. I, I just I was surprised at just how many I knew it was not going to be a popular thing because of how stubborn and traditionalist this this the fans of the sport could be. I just wow, were we way off in just how much that was going to be? Yeah, it, it's just a matter of time. At the end of the day, um, in a hundred years, Honda, Yamaha, Suzuki, KTM, they're probably still going to be making dirt bikes. I'm not going to be around. Yeah. And neither are most of those people who are part of that seventy six percent. So, um, yeah, it's just an inevitability. Exactly. It's whether it happens in five years, ten years, or a hundred years, it's going to happen. Um, so that's just I just found that that really. I mean, it took all of what the first twenty four hours for you and I to go. Ooh, we were way off way on our off. predictions. Right. <laughs> so um, on the docket for next week, on a, on another note, uh, we are talking about the new Supercross three, the video game. That's so, okay. So take, I did find the right one. Yep, all we're right. taking a trip trip down uh, video game lane again, uh, just for a week, and then uh, uh, what's the date on that? So. Today's the first. That would be the eighth, or when we record it, that episode. It'll be the Why? Eighth. Oh, I'm in 2009 on my calendar. That's weird. So that would be the eighth, and then uh, I think we're gonna take a couple of weeks off. I think we're gonna do. We'll do the eighth. We'll do one more podcast on the 15th, and then the 22nd and 29th we're gonna take off, and we'll be back on the fifth, which is the first Sunday of uh, of 2020. And hang on, is the fifth the day after Anaheim won? No, or is it the or I, is it the week before? I can't even remember when Anaheim won is. There's so many dates being thrown around right now. Um, January fourth. You're right. Yeah. Anaheim so, won. So we'll be back. We'll be back. Wow. So we have. One, two more episodes, a two-week break, and then we are back finally, 
finally that episode, the first episode of 2020, we'll be talking about racing again. That's it. Oh my God, I cannot wait. Because guys, <laughs> I like you and I really, I enjoy doing this, but finding things to talk about in a Supercross motocross off season is right now yeah, without, awful. Without having access to the riders. Yeah, no access to the riders, which could come with time, but really just the fact that they just don't care if there is any news coming out of this sport in the off season. They yeah. sh- it's not just the riders who take the off season off. Apparently, the media does too. The- so. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. Like you can see on on uh, uh, supercrossonline.com, like on the off season, they'll go. If you go to ESPN.com, how often do you think they update that website? Uh, every five seconds. Every five friggin' seconds. There is a new article uploaded to that site for a random sport, whatever, every every couple of minutes. Supercrossonline.com will be the exact same website for weeks at a time over the off season. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Oh, uh, did you hear about uh, uh, the dude in New York, um, uh, the big sportscaster <coughs> over there? Just like he's got the weird accent, whatever. I don't know. Somebody accused him of farting on a, on on live air, and he got like super, super, like like all like, oh, I would never do that. I'm a professional. <laughs> I'm not. This is ridiculous. This isn't even even news. I don't know why we're talking about this. And then like. Uh, the sports hub, our local station, was like, "Let's play back that clip." And you, like, in the mid sentence, you could clearly hear him. <laughs> Ridiculous. On that note, that's what's up. That's what's coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, thank you guys so much for sticking around, listening oh. to us rant and rave. Jesse's got more. Shout out to Cody. Uh, sorry, damn, I just combined a bunch of words. <laughs> Shout out to Cody once again. He gave us some information about. Um, uh, some people to check out in helping us develop our Power to the Ground video game. Um, which or at I, least collaborate and talk collaborate to them. Yeah, with, so yeah. um, we're going to be reaching out to them. So, yeah, Cody, up, stepping up to bat again, man. Eventually, we're just going to hand the mic over to you and let you just take this. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So, um, yeah, we send him a shirt, right? Yeah, shirt, uh, going on. shirt and a mug. Shirt he doesn't and know, a mug. He doesn't know about the mug. Oh, but he's going to he, once he listens he's, to this episode. As soon as he listens to this, hopefully he gets a package before he listens to this episode. Right, right, we'll see. It'd be awesome. This like Christmas Christmas morning moment where he like he's listening to the episode and we say shirt and a mug as he opens the box and there's a shirt and a mug and he's, he's like, like yes, what? Yes. I have something to drink my coffee out of now. I'm All sure, right. Cody. I'm sure you already have a mug. I'm sure you do. Um. Dude, throw a picture up on the Facebook once you get those, Cody. If you're, yeah, if we'd you're really appreciate that. You yeah. don't have to. This is there's no catch on this. No, I just no, wanted no, to show that, you that we appreciated just, you. Yeah, hundred so. percent. But if you happen to want to snap a cell phone photo of you in the shirt, or even just the shirt or the <laughs> mug, whatever. I don't know. We're done. We are done. I am done. It's, it smells in here. It's finally warmed up to where I'm sweating. Let's get the hell out. Of here. All right. We'll see you guys next week. We'll be talking more video games. Um, And that is all I got, Jesse. Peace. Later.